Hi everyone and welcome to the Purposeful Provision Podcast. My name is James and I run Nursery Nook. You're joining me this half term and we are going to be exploring the different parts of our outdoor provision, how we can improve our provision and practice to make it as purposeful as possible. Usually I am joined by different guests, but this week I am joined by no one. I'm on my Todd, on my lonesome. And that's because I want to spend some time exploring the concept of culture a little bit more. Now, if you've been to my training before, you know I bang on about culture an awful lot. By culture, I'm referring to the things that make our settings unique, the things that we need to consider when we're planning changes to our provision. The different aspects to consider are children, parents and families, staff, leadership, community and environment. And within each of these, there are many different things for us to consider when we're designing our provision to make it purposeful. These are usually applied indoors. That's what I spend most of my time doing with people during my coaching. However, there's no reason why we can't apply these to the outdoors as well. But it does require a little bit of extra thinking. That's because the attitudes of the children, staff, parents, in fact, all the stakeholders, they all require a slightly different out-the-box thinking because everyone's got a very different approach to outdoors than they do to indoors. And as you know, I'm very keen to make our settings work with children rather than against them. You know, that's that sort of idea of meeting the children where they're at. So let's explore these cultural aspects through the lens of outdoors. Before I begin, if this is all new to you, then I do suggest that you check out the video within the paid Nursery Nook network. Um, if you remember, you can watch that completely for free. It's a short sort of 30 minute CPD video and it is very powerful and will be transformative for your practice. If you are not a member of the network and you don't want to sign up just yet, which is a mighty shame, but you can listen to Glenn Denny's Circle Time podcast where I've talked recently about what culture and play diet means. I'll pop a link to that podcast in the show notes today. Okay, let's start with children. Now, children should always be or for the most part, be at the very centre of what we do. There are going to be times where we see something as an adult that we want to bring into our setting. And so actually we put staff ideas before children. But for the most part, we should be focusing on the interests and the needs of the children. As a child, I was very positive about playing outdoors, which might be a little surprising when you hear that I grew up in a very close community, quite close to a chemical plant, which had frequent leaks. In fact, every Tuesday at 10 o'clock, we had the toxic alert alarm test. And if you were outside at school, you had to run inside as fast as possible. When that toxic alarm went off and it was a real deal, you had to rush indoors and it would not be uncommon to see my parents plugging gaps in windows and doors with wet tea towels. So that's a quite a scary thing in the background as a backdrop to where I grew up. However, I very much embraced the outdoors as much as I could. But we can't say that about all of our children. We can say to children, hey, we need to go outside today. Let's go outdoors. Let's do something. Or we can choose to meet our children where they're at and accept that they might not be too keen about going outside right now and design provision that supports them with a vision to improve over time. We also need to consider the physical abilities of our children. Can they move their whole bodies? Can they balance? Can they move in small spaces? Do they know how to keep themselves safe? Do they tolerate messy plays such as jumping in the mud? Answers to these questions, coupled with the aspects of indoor culture, will allow us to begin to think about activities we can provide and the provision that we can build outdoors. 
Parents is the second aspect of culture we need to consider. Usually children and parents will have similar views to outdoor play, especially if it's a negative one, because children can absorb those messages from parents. Parents may also be reluctant to let their children get messy because their clothes are expensive or important, or because being messy to parents is synonymous with being unhealthy. My background is working with fantastic families in inner city Bradford, but it's very common for families to think that when their children are playing with water or sand or mud or some other messy item, that in order to become messy, it means we are opening the doorway to becoming unhygienic and therefore potentially allowing the child to get ill. And there was always a massive concern about that. I'll be covering this in some more detail in a, in a future podcast when I talk to some other guests, but for now we need to think about how we are going to support parental understanding about the value of our outside area. Can we share photographs of activities and resources? Can we invite them in and let them see what we're doing and see how positive it is for the children? Allow them to generate a an idea about this being a positive activity as opposed to a negative one. When parents see their muddy uniform or their muddy clothes at the end of the day, often the reaction is quite negative. Can we find some kind of way to demonstrate to parents that through the activity when they did get messy, that they actually were doing a lot of learning? Can we assure parents by explaining how we use wellies and wetsuits? Our activities may need to be less outdoorsy at the beginning until parents feel comfortable but it will have an impact on their attitudes towards your setting and even your bottom line. So we need to make sure that we're not excluding parents. We need to make sure we're not hiding activities from them and we also consider their views. By that, I mean we might be quite conscious about allowing children to play with too much mud, too much sand, too much water, ensuring that they're covered in aprons and wetsuits and getting them changed as quickly as possible. Perhaps we don't allow children to spend as much time playing in the messier things and we gravitate towards dry things, at least at the beginning of our journey. Next, we have staff. Now, this might be the most difficult part of your culture to overcome. Many staff are very positive about going outdoors, while some are less than positive, let's say. There are so many reasons for this, and it's often it's nothing really to do with the personal views of staff members. Now, don't get me wrong, some staff members do actually hate being outdoors, and it's about building up their confidence and fondness, um, and it will take some time, and there's an element of give and take on both sides. However, the most common reason I've seen is that the outdoor area is just not very inspiring for the adults. They don't know how to interact with the children outdoors, and so they retreat into being what I call mug huggers, but I can also call them playground monitors. Those members of staff who basically just keep the children alive until the bell goes. So our activities and provision does need a little bit of a pick-me-up in order to bring them into the realm of the exciting. And for those staff members, it might mean some old school style activities to begin with, with a plan to move away from them as confidence builds. So it might be a case of you doing lots of things like big construction outside, playground chalk, um, skipping ropes, lots of big equipment, things that they're used to, to get them excited again, and then slowly drip feeding in new ideas based on discussions that you've had with the children and the families. Leadership is the next aspect to consider. And in the case of the outdoors, I find that decisions around large play equipment, which can often be against the culture of the children and difficult to work around, are often made by leadership. Now, there's lots of reasons for that. And one of them is the fact that most leaders are in place for quite a long time. And so they can see the vision 
and the journey of the children. Um, but sometimes those decisions are not always fully thought through. Now, in some instances, leaders are part of the provision every day. They work with the children, they interact, they really understand the needs of the children. But when they're not, those decisions are often more about how a setting looks from the outside than how purposeful it actually is. And that right there is the biggest consideration for many of our leaders. More settings, schools included, are trying to attract customers. If you're a school, you're attracting parents. You're trying to get parents to come on an open day and see how amazing reception our nursery is. Please come to our school. And having an outdoor play area that resembles something from a play park can be much more attractive to parents than a mud pit. However well it's played with. Now, we can't do a huge amount about static play equipment if it's already in place, but we can spend time asking our leaders to consider the play that children demonstrate and to see its value. If digging in a large mud pit is a favourite, then show your head teacher or manager. Take photos and videos and explain how it's so important, something that they can repeat to prospective parents. Because often, especially head teachers in schools, they don't always understand why we are doing what we do. And so they can feel a little bit like they're imposters, but that's never a good feeling for a head teacher. Another consideration from leaders is that because of the pandemic, outdoor learning has been through a bit of a boom. But leaders can get carried away and accidentally do outdoors to the staff and children without taking them along for the journey. If you're a leader, you should spend time considering whether staff are taking part or not. Community and environment are the last two aspects, and I'm going to put them together for this part of the discussion. Your setting or school space is a major consideration. For any outdoor learning to occur, you need to have a safe and, dare I say it, attractive space to play in. It needs to be matched to the children as much as possible, but also challenging. Forest schools often provide this very well, but not all of us can have a forest school. In fact, many of us have a very limited space, such as a yard, a concrete playground, with a few planters placed around on the concrete, and this can often leave us feeling very flat. We can't do much about this, but we have to be pragmatic, accept it, and add to what we've got. More planters, attractive wildlife, discuss it with your team and develop it further. We need to accept that sometimes we live in spaces that could be called concrete jungles or concrete playgrounds. And to introduce nature is a much bigger task than it would be if we were living in the countryside. However, we are practitioners and we need to figure out how we can support this idea. How are we meeting children where they're at and then building up slowly? We would remove the opportunity to learn about nature, but our starting place, the way we construct continuous provision, is determined by their experiences. And so we start off talking about subtle aspects of nature because that is what is part of their play diet. So that, in a nutshell, those are the considerations that I'm talking about when it comes to outdoor culture. If you'd like to know more about this, I highly suggest that you join the discussion on the Nursery Nook Network, where we will be using our culture to establish continuous provision that is purposeful before we enhance further. There's obviously lots of other things to consider here as well, and so I will try to thresh those out via the network too. Next week, I'll be joined by a guest, and we will be exploring how we can see outdoors as a different environment to the indoors. Now, that might seem really obvious, but you'd be surprised how many practitioners fall down here. Stay safe and catch you next time. Mm -hmm.